Hood Scholarship. So since I told you the Garden of Eden has its origins in Samaria, it's time to prove it. As stated in part one, we'll be delving into a series of tablets known as the CBS Clay Tablets. CBS is an acronym for Catalog of the Babylonian Section, and we'll find this particular text in the Museum Siglum of the University Museum in Philadelphia. This CBS Clay Tablet we'll be analyzing is labeled Tablet 8383. Now written in Old Sumerian, flashing archaic symbols that only attest to the antiquity of this foundational cylinder, CBS Clay Tablet 8383 is divided into 19 columns, missing the introduction of the text as well as the last column, Column 20. In 1893, during Dr. Haynes' third expedition at the ancient city of Nippur, home city to the Lord Wind in Leo, Dr. Haynes unearthed Tablet 8383. The script, as stated by George A. Barton, was written in the dynasty of Agade, who ruled around 2800 to 2600 BCE. The incantation recorded is of equal, if not greater, antiquity than that of the pyramid texts of Egypt. In 1918, Episcopal clergyman and professor of Semitic languages in the history of religion, George A. Barton, made the first attempt to translate CBS Tablet 8383 in his published book, Miscellaneous Babylonian Inscriptions, titling the tablet as the oldest religious text from Babylonia. But even Barton wasn't sure of his translation, stating in the preface, The interpretation of an inscription written in pure Sumerian would be in any case difficult. It cannot be too strongly emphasized that the interpretation offered below is purely tentative. So being that the study of the language and culture were in its infancy, it's no surprise that nearly a hundred years later, a new translation has emerged through the works of Anton Parks. Anton Parks originated the theory that the Sumerian language is a coding system, proving through Sumero-Akkadian lexicons and retranslations of tablets, most notably translated by George Barton in 1918 and Christopher O'Brien, accompanied with his wife Barbara O'Brien in 1985, that the origins of the biblical Garden of Eden find its roots in the oldest religious text in ancient Mesopotamia, Tablet 8383. So when reading the first legible piece of the text translated by Anton Parks, we come across some interesting revelations on side A, column 1, lines 1 through 7, when it states, They came in strength from beyond time. They were carried one day by the rebellion of the universe, and Leo's food would give them life. On behalf of Lady Serpent, there was an imploration because she granted the favor that would make all of them live. Although the missing text could have informed us exactly where it is they came from, what is sure is that this was the arrival of the Anunnaki gods on earth. As we'll learn through a series of clay tablets, Sir in the text which is a serpent or reptile is in reference to the lady serpent, Ninkersad or Ninma, who was the first wife of Enlil and the matriarch of the colony of Karsag in which she settled the foundation, and its garden Eden. Also, when paying attention to detail, we come across the first line that tells us they came from beyond time, and that's quoted by Anton Parks. This is not a terrestrial context, but one that is on the scale of the universe, and possibly in another dimension of time. 
So the first legible text establishes the Anunnaki, which is the Akkadian term borrowed from the Sumerian term Anuna, arrived on earth and that they desperately begged the lady serpent because she would give them something that would sustain their lives. And as we read on to column two, the text starts looking eerily familiar when it states on side A, column two, lines two through twelve. The holy Tigris and the holy Euphrates, the sacred scepter of Enlil that steadied Karsag. The rivers provided abundance. The scepter protected our Lord. A prayer to obtain seedlings from the earth. At that time, man was not productive. The gods were innumerable. Prince Enlil made everything radiant. The first thing that sticks out is the names of the two rivers found in the Sumerian tale when it states, The Holy Tigris and the Holy Euphrates. Well, when we look in Genesis 2.14, we find similar parallels that can't be denied when the text states, And the name of the third river is Hedekel, that is which goeth toward the east of Assyria. And the fourth river is Euphrates. The Hebrew name Hedekel being the Tigris River, and in tablet 8383, those are the two rivers that, as the text states, provides abundance which could be referenced to Genesis 2 and 6 and the mist that watered the ground. Then a prayer was said to obtain seedlings from the earth in tablet 8383. And again, a mimicking of the narrative is identified when we read in Genesis 2 and 5 in the Hebrew text. And any plant of the field before was in the earth, and any herb of the field before had not grown, for Yahweh Elohim had caused it not to rain. Now here, both texts stating there were no seeds to yield any crops, followed by another familiar Genesis 2 verse when tablet 8383 states, At that time, man was not productive. At this point, the parallels are too much to ignore, but we continue on in Genesis 2.5 to see the text state, And there was not a man to till the ground. Now the Bible never stated there wasn't a man on earth, there just wasn't a man to till the ground. Almost the same as a man not being productive. As we'll see through more CBS tablets, the early settlement of man on earth prior to the arrival of the Anunnaki was described as docile. But as we continue on side A down to column 4, lines 2 through 12, we find the evidence we've been looking for. Missed in both Christopher O'Brien's 1985 version and George Barton's 1918 version when Anton Park's translation states, The abundance of the gods. He restored it. Our Satam shouted. Our Satam exulted. He offered the city his protection. He enlarged the dwelling. O bird, who can overthrow you? With this building, prosperity will come. An enclosed reservoir, a trap for water, will have to be made. The good food of mine that will be produced will have to be abundant. This firm Eden, crossed by water, will have to be irrigated by a watercourse laid out in cascades. A great and powerful sheltered watercourse will have to spring out in front. It would increase the whirling yield of water, of Our Lady. O bird, who can overthrow you? My food that will be distributed will have to be abundant. 
As we learn in the opening of column four, Enlil offers his services to protection over this foundation, and he's also referenced as the bird, which will come into play later. Then we have a dialogue from Ninkersag who's setting the blueprint for a plantation with an irrigated orchid that will allow the Anunnaki gods to be independent for their own food. And the layout sounds familiar to the layout we find in the creation of the garden in the Bible in Genesis 2.10 when the text states, Now a river went out of Eden to water the garden, and from there it parted and became four headwaters. Which again echoes the same narrative we find in tablet 8383 column 4 when Ninkersag is speaking of her plans to create this life-sustaining oasis when the translation reads, This firm Eden, crossed by water, will have to be irrigated by a water course, laid out in cascades. So throughout these three columns we went over in tablet 8383, a story starts to emerge that sounds a lot like the accounts of Genesis in the Bible. However, it shouldn't cause concern for plagiarism because as I've stated countless times before, the people of the Bible claim to be direct descendants of the Mesopotamian cultures. So Genesis is nothing more than a mere synopsis of these Mesopotamian clay tablets. However, we get a better understanding of this synopsis by reading the stories from where the scribes of the Bible would have learned their information from. In the text we read, translated by Anton Parks, we learn that Anunnaki gods came from beyond time due to a rebellion of the universe, thus resulting in the Anunnaki being on earth and sending prayers to the goddess Ninkersag for food, in which she in turn creates the Garden of Eden which was a source of food for the gods, as well as their prized storehouse. So stay tuned, as we still have the readings of man trespassing into the garden, the contamination of the garden, and man's servitude to the gods in the garden, all in tablet 8383. Hood scholarship.